Good afternoon from Chicago, Illinois. I'm Charles Lee. And I'm Emma Wyatt. And you're listening to the Grox Science Show. Coming up on today's program, we'll be joined by Ken Denmead. He'll talk about the Geek Dad's Guide to Weekend Fun. So you want to stay tuned for all that, plus the uh, Grokatron 5000. It's coming right up here on the Grox Science Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Grok's Science Show. Well, the weekend rolls around and it's time to spend some quality time with the kids. But what is an enterprising parent meant to do if they want to have both a fun and a geeky weekend? Well, fortunately, our guest, Mr. Ken Denmead, has put together another compilation of fun and geeky projects. Uh, Mr. Denmead is, of course, the editor of the popular Geek Dad blog, which is on the Wired Magazine's website. His previous book, Geek Dad, Awesomely Geeky Projects and Activities for Dads and Kids to Share, was a New York Times bestseller. And his new release, The Geek Dad's Guide to Weekend Fun, Cool Hacks, Cutting Edge Games, and More Awesome Projects for the Whole Family, continues this exploration of uh, fun activities for uh, parents and kids. Mr. Denmead, thank you very much for joining today on the Grok Science Show. Oh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, certainly our pleasure, and this is really a, a great book full of fun activities for both parents and kids uh, alike. What got you started all the way in the beginning with, with the Geek Dad blog? Way back when, actually, the, the blog was started by Mr. Chris Anderson, the, uh, the editor-in-chief of Wired Magazine, and his, his whole idea was there was a place to share the projects he was doing with his kids. I got lucky enough to be brought on very early on as one of the writers, and eventually uh, he handed the thing uh, all the reins over to me, and uh, I've gone about searching out people just like me, all the all the, the parents out there that grew up geeks and nerds, and uh, but who are now parents, and trying to figure out our way to uh, to you know raising our kids it's a little bit like us, a little bit geeky, but to have fun, to be inquisitive, and to uh, you know to do things ourselves, and uh, that's sort of where the projects come in. We've 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 featured a lot of projects on the blog over the years. And some of these projects are, are, are some of those. Some of these are stuff that I've uh, pulled together myself and, and some based on ideas from the other writers. It, it all comes down to trying to find things to do with your kids that may be a little bit educational, but the big point is that you're having fun with them and you're sharing the experience. You're not doing something to them. You're doing something with them. Right, right. Uh, do you think the, the geek dad has an advantage in this respect over the, the other dads? Yeah, probably to a great degree just because usually, the geeky parents, maybe we, we are a little more uh, comfortable with science and with hacking things, taking it apart, putting it back together, and, you know, mashing things up a little bit more than, than uh, the parents. It seems to me that this sort of plays on a kid's natural tendency to want to build, explore, put things together, and, and this is just a nice uh, uh, outlet for both to share these activities together. Yeah, you know, I mean, no kid is going to feel comfortable growing up to be an engineer or, or, or a physicist or a biologist or, or any type of scientist unless, you know, you encourage it, encourage them to want to figure things out on their own. And these sorts of projects, that, that's the idea is, you know, get there, put them, you know, and, and one of the big points I've made in both books is that the projects I, I put in there 
are guidelines. It's not like do this, do it perfectly or else. It's here's how I did it. But you know what? You may not have the same tools and materials lying around your house. You know what? Improvise. You know, do, do something different and probably do something better. <laughs> Well, that's that's really in the, the spirit of uh, all good hacking and nerding is you know, putting it together and seeing what works, what doesn't work for you. And uh, Exactly. You have a lot of quite a diverse group of projects. Uh, some of these uh, almost seem a little bit dangerous, like uh, build your own trebuchet and <laughs> going medieval with your own weapons. <laughs> You're trying to build a, build a geek army. <laughs> well, you know, all, uh, a lot of geeks are, are always big fans of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and, and, uh, and World of Warcraft and so forth. You know, I, every kid wants to do a little warfare but so hopefully as parents we can guide them and show them safe ways to to get out those proclivities and you know i mean a trebuchet is really an amazing machine an amazing invention that shows off some really cool properties of physics and stuff so it's not just fun to launch stuff it's fun to build it and understand why it does what it does Right. And, and here you describe how to do it with Lego bricks, no less. My goal with most of the projects is that most of the parts, hopefully, you've got lying around the house. <laughs> that you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money on this stuff, that you can you know, hack it together from what you have. And, you know, I, I want to build a trebuchet, but how do I do it without going to the store and buying a bunch of wood or whatever? And I looked on, you know, I had a, a Lego Mindstorms kit lying around that was perfect. It had It had all kinds of gears and levers and pieces that would act as axles and, and fulcrums, and uh, yeah, it just made sense. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, how did you uh, come about choosing the projects that you're going to put in the book? It was a mix of things. There, there was a, a, a bunch of those there that I sort of sprang from my mind, usually just looking around me, seeing what was in the house. What could I improve upon? What could uh, what could we hack and do something different with? Um, a lot of the projects uh, also were ideas suggested by the writers on the Geek Dad blog and the Geek Mom blog. And, and even better, a couple of the projects I, with this book, because cause the first one did pretty well, and because the, the Geek Dad blog has been sort of growing over the last couple of years have made acquaintances with some cool sort of celebrity geeks, if, if you will. And uh, I was lucky enough to be able to go out and ask uh, some of them whether they wanted to be part of, uh, part of the book, and, and I was really pleased. You know, folks like uh, Ken Jennings from Jeopardy and uh, David Hewlett from Stargate Atlantis and some folks like that provided some really good you know, projects and, and stories. Ken, Emma here. I just had a question. I have a three-year-old boy at home who I'd love to get involved in some of this stuff. What's <laughs> what's the age group that this book targets? Um, you know, it, it starts pretty young, and uh, I'm, I always try to try to I try to include some projects that will will involve just you know some some just basic coloring or some some basic simple projects, but you know what a parent can do with this book is look at it and then use your own judgment as to how to tailor the projects for your kids. So some of the projects you could do most of the technical stuff yourself, but have the kids help in the way that they're comfortable for their age range to do. Or if your kids are older, you just say, here, let's let's build this together and, and let them do as much as you're doing. So I, I see this book as being maybe kindergarten through 
somewhere in high school, if your kids are still interested enough to do things with you when, when you're in high school, hey, more power to you. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like some of the projects, uh, you know, different age groups can get different things out of it. The one I, I particularly enjoyed was de- determining the speed of light with chocolate in a microwave. You that know, one blows me away every <laughs> time I look at it. And you know, that, was, that was actually uh, uh, an idea suggested by, uh, by Kathy Cesare, one of our writers. <laughs> and when I, I've tried it, and it's just like, holy cow, you can do this. It works. Long story short, you put it, it works really well with like a nice bar of maybe dark chocolate. I think in the book we sort of showed using uh, old uh, old bonbons, you know, liquid-filled <laughs> truffles, that kind of thing. Yeah. If you put the, you know, put put a bunch of them like in a nice row, or if it's just a, a big bar, lay it down in the microwave. Run the microwave for maybe at a lower power, but for five or ten seconds at a shot, and slowly what you should start to see are little points where the chocolate has started to melt, and it will be very identifiable. There'll be just little spots evenly spaced across the chocolate where the chocolate has started to melt, and and, and what's going on here is the way microwaves work is they create standing waves that, when they cross each other, they will excite water molecules. And basically using that knowledge, if you measure the distance between any of the two points where you see chocolate melting and then apply, there's a mathematical constant that's included in the book, just do a little quick piece of math, you will basically validate that the speed of light is what it is. Because it has to do with you know, the wavelength and the, the, the power of the microwave and you know, how those uh, microwaves are heating up your, uh, your chocolate. So essentially you get to see the wave pattern in, in the chocolate itself and can get the speed exactly. of light from that. Wow. And use that to validate the speed of light. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, see, that, see, that's a little uh, exercise which I think all age groups could find interesting. I mean, young kids, you know, they would just probably eat the chocolate afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. You get to eat the result afterwards. <laughs> I think all good projects should end like that, really. <laughs> Really, really. I, so that, that's, that's good. For, for book three, I'll make sure I include more with licorice and taffy. <laughs> uh, there really are a lot of great uh, projects in the, in the book. I'm curious if you have any favorites. Uh, well, yeah, the chocolate one is, is uh, really good. You know, the one that's almost the most simple but, but, but just made me smile that it works so well is the, uh, the Nerf dart blowgun. <laughs> And I, you know, I realize we've got half a dozen or more different Nerf guns in our house, and you know they're, they're little marvels of engineering as they are. But you know they're they're these mechanical things that sometimes will fail or get jammed or whatever. But we you know we have hundreds of Nerf darts laying around, and I tried to figure out could I come up with something either slingshotty or pneumatic or or whatever that would launch Nerf darts at least as well as the guns that you can buy in the store. So uh, our next door neighbors actually own the local hardware store and went over there one day and started, you know, with, with just a bunch of darts and started poking around trying to decide, you know, what would, what would work? What could I do? And just fell upon the fact that half-inch copper tubing, the, the stuff that's commonly used for uh, water pipes in your house, it's the perfect diameter to slip a Nerf dart into. Mm. And the first time I picked up a piece, it was like a two-foot-long piece, stuck a Nerf dart in there and did you know a classic blowgun blow <laughs> through it. It launched the dart to the other side of the store. <laughs> 
And I realized, I, I just discovered, it, it, it actually works better than any Nerf gun that you can buy in the store. <laughs> I had to put that in. It's, it's good for hunting the uh, the Nerf wildebeest, I guess, or something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, it definitely makes for a, a stealth Nerf war. <laughs> but, I mean, you can hook these things together in any kind of, uh, in, in the book you have a, a sort of a two-pronged uh, Nerf blow dart there. Those yeah, even... I thought, of, you know, that to, to the extent that how strong your breath can be delivered through, through forked pipes, multiple pipes, you can do some interesting things with all of the uh, you know, the elbows and the tees that are available for half-inch copper pipe. You could, you could come up with a multiple dart shooter. You could come up with an attachment to shoot around a corner if you wanted to. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Possibilities are endless, which, uh, again, it's, uh, I think, part of the, the ethos of the book there, which is really take, take the concept and uh, just explore with it, right? Exactly. You know, uh, you have toys in your house, you have tools, you have materials, but you're not limited by, you know, what they were designed to do. Just pack them, put them together in new and interesting ways, and have fun doing it. Right. So the book certainly details a lot of projects. Any advice for uh, the gig dads out there creating their own projects for their kids? First of all, find out what your kid's interested in. One of the points I made, especially in the first book, but this one too, is if you want your kids to be interested, don't force it on them. Hmm. Sometimes, sometimes a stealth, uh, a stealth mode is the best. I, I mentioned in, in the book that I had tried for a number of years to get my uh, my, my sons into D and D, and they would never pick up on it. Until like one week, it, I just left the the player's handbook lying around, and a few days later, my older son came up to me holding it and goes, "Dad, this looks really interesting. Would would you like to play it sometime?" <laughs> And I was like, oh, total win. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so that, that's, in some ways, that's my tactic. If you, you want to get your kids interested in anything that you do, and especially if you're going to do projects, try to develop stuff, don't necessarily say, hey, come here, let's do this. Just start doing it yourself and obviously have fun with it. And sooner or later, they just won't be able to stand that you're having fun by yourself. <laughs> and they'll come try and be part of it. Perfect. Lessons that are, are, are useful for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the second book in, in, in the series. Plans for a third book? There, there are plans for a third book already underway, yes. Right. So uh, everyone can keep eyes out for that. Uh, that one, the, the next one portends to be a little more science experimentish. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll tease everyone with that. Okay, we'll, we'll look forward still to it. Still got some work to do. <laughs> So again, uh, we did mention that you are editor of the, the Geek Dad blog on Wired Magazine. What if you could tell us uh, a little bit more about that and if people, where they can go look at that and if they can contribute to that blog as well? Uh, I, got, I got three three places for folks to go. First is geekdad.com. That's, that's the primary blog where we've got, it's a community blog. We've got a bunch of people. We put up posts every day that are basically about being geeks, being parents, all the stuff we're interested in, a lot of reviews of books and uh, music and games, that sort of thing that hopefully will help other geeky parents find stuff that they can share with their kids. We have a companion site, geekmom.com. Same idea, but focused uh, uh, a little bit on on all the geek moms out there. And then for the book specifically, there is geekdadbook.com where I, uh, I, I sort of post about things that are going on surrounding the book and maintain a forum so that people can ask questions and, and uh, post what they're doing with the projects from the book. Is there special requirements for the geek mom? <laughs> well, uh, not necessarily. Well. Are there any cooking I, projects? I'd love well, there, those. There have, totally. Awesome, totally. awesome. <laughs> 
the great story recently, actually on Geek Dad, we did a great story about the poor man's sous vide, the way, that the uh, you know, constant temperature water bath cooking. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, get, go, go, go check that out. It's how, how to do it on the, on the extreme cheap end. Sweet. Yeah. All right, well, the book, again, is called uh, The Geek Dad's Guide to Weekend Fun, Cool Hacks, Cutting Edge Games, and More Awesome Projects for the Whole Family. Uh, Mr. Denmead, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, so everyone knows the book. There are links at geekdad.com and geekdadbook.com to show you where. All right, definitely everybody go out and take a look at this. It's a great book for all dads, really. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, you're just listening to Mr. Ken Denmead talking about his book, The Geek Dad's Guide to Weekend Fun. This is the Grok Science Show. Time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic suitably geeky or not quite geeky enough. So for the following five people, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they're suitably geeky or not quite geeky enough and uh, maybe a little reason why. Demi, ready to play the game? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Person number one, it's the uh, talk show host, Jerry Springer. Not geeky enough. <laughs> you, you started with the easy one, right? Yeah, right. All right, well, how about number two, Tiger Woods? Most certainly not geeky enough. <laughs> Three, Stephen Hawking. Oh, suitably geeky. One of the uber geeks, totally. <laughs> 
Uh, number four, it's uh, Steve Jobs. Um, it's suitably geeky, yes. Not necessarily because he's he's so technical, but because he has done the best job of anyone of bringing the technical and making it functional for everybody. All right. Well, number five, then, it's uh, Microsoft founder Bill Gates. Oh, he is absolutely suitably geeky, too. Anyone, anyone who has computer screens on the walls of his house that display fine art and will change depending upon who the guests are gets my vote. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Denmead, I want to thank you for sticking around playing the game and, uh, again, talking about the book, uh, The Geek Dad's Guide to Weekend Fun. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Everyone have a great day. All right. Thank Bye. you, too. go out and try those products with oh they sound like fun i i, I might never get my husband to <laughs> give the kid a chance <laughs> there you go for you okay. and the kid <laughs> all right well this has been the uh, grok science show uh, i've been your host charles lee and i'm emma wyatt and we'll be back with more from the world of science and technology if you'd like to contact us you can do so emailing us at science at groks.net and we're also on the web www.groks.net and we're on facebook and twitter